0: Hey guys, welcome back to Anchored and Devoted. I'm Pastor Jer.
1: Whoop, whoop. And I'm Pastor Joseph. And, and we're this glad is... you're here.
0: woop. Woop woop. This is not whoop, woop woop. This is Anchored and Devoted. <laughs> That's what he was about to say. I cut him <laughs> off and then we sort of careened off each other in the middle of the road there. So no,
1: we, we love each other and we enjoy stepping on each other's toes.
0: <laughs> A bit. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to talk about something that... Um, yeah, you know, it's still geared towards the new believer. We're mm-hmm. looking forward to having this conversation. It doesn't necessarily affect a new believer in their personal walk, but because it is so much in the culture right now, uh, we wanted to wrestle through this and talk about this for a while. the topic here is deconversion. What does it mean to deconvert from Christianity uh, specifically? And we could, I guess, more broadly apply this to deconverting from any established religion believing the faith yeah i think Why it's more different. i think it's different
1: when you're talking about a christian um
0: i agree i agree i think it is
1: and i know that there are different varieties of christians and some that classify themselves as christians that i don't agree with but i do believe if you profess jesus christ as your lord and savior you join the family and that puts you in a special place um and today i think at least for me when, when we start talking about this um, my first thought is of those who taste and see but don't really know, um, you know those who experience the Hebrew there yes experience mm-hmm. the I've tasted the sweetness gift of, of God but don't actually swallow um, yeah. don't experience the fullness of transformation um, and that's this At least for me on this topic, the hard thing is we can't see a person's genuine conversion and say, oh, yeah, they're definitely a Jesus freak. They're they're part of the family. It's one and done. All I can see is the fruit, and the fruit can be fake Um, because I still can't value it properly because of my limited vision. I still have earthly eyes, and you showing love to a refugee appears to be genuine. Um, But God sees the heart. He sees the innermost parts and knows if you're doing it because there's going to be a television crew nearby or um, as some of our auto dealerships around here like to do commercials, giving away a a $500 check because they're going to get free media press. Um, Knowing that the media press is worth a lot more than the $500 check they gave away to this individual for a car. Um, The...
0: Let me pause here for a second and ask you this. Mm -hmm. When we're we're talking about deconversion,
2: Mm -hmm. what
0: what does that mean? Can we just start with that baseline? What do you mean when you say deconverting?
1: Uh, (laughs) Walking away from what appeared to be a relationship with God. Uh, Someone denouncing that they were or are a Christian. Uh, They're stating they no longer believe or their belief has changed to such a degree it no longer appears to be in christ any longer um like those are the two things when either christ has been minimized or he's been removed <laughs> the other and often the minimalization means you put yourself on the throne and he's right next to it
0: uh, are there people who claim to deconvert who still hold on to jesus
1: well as i said there there are those who would put jesus uh, you know on the side chair. You sit on the throne and Jesus is right next to me, but he's not in charge any longer. Um, they would, you know, worship him, sing, preach, teach, write books, do the whole nine, but they don't believe in the authority of Christ. They don't believe in um, the uh, lordship fully of Christ. Um, and that is Unacceptable by God's
0: standards. Okay. What about so, you? What does it mean? Yeah. Well, it doesn't mean anything to me because I'm not deconverting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christ is Lord. What he said is true. And I'm going to follow him. Um, end of my story. But as I've, I, you know, I've listened to a number of people who use this term to describe their own, you know, and it's always a journey. Think of mm-hmm. postmodernism, um, and there's there's sort of a range of meanings that I've heard, but sort of at the center of all of them is the idea that I I used to believe something about mm-hmm. God, and I no longer believe that that is true, and it can be pinned to the teachings of Scripture. It can be pinned to the existence of God. It can be pinned to the character of Christ or the teachings of Christ. But at a a base layer here, at a base level, it's, I used to believe this. Mm -hmm. I now reject that because Mm -hmm. I believe it is false. And what I have observed is that in most cases that deconverting also... Um, means rejecting or walking away from the organized church, the local church. Oddly enough, what I have also observed is that in, in very, very few cases is the deconversion um, prompted by a change in the person's beliefs, but the change in beliefs is predicated on an experience either inside The church itself or watching the church inside of culture. There is, I've not yet seen a testimony of someone who says, I used to be a Christian and I have now deconstructed my faith. I've deconverted or unconverted because you know, the more I studied scripture, the more I realized this is just a crock and there's no God. There's always been a point at which they can look and say, either God failed me or the church proved to be a liar through its leaders, through its actions as an organization. And it's also, I think, important to note that um, you don't see a whole lot of deconverting from, say, the Unitarian Universalist or even the Lutheran, often places that you'll see a high unconversion rate will be evangelical denominations or the more charismatic side of non-denominational churches, where there is a very high value placed on the authority and inerrancy of scripture. At the end of the day, that seems to be rejected, or uh, no, at least this is my observation. What's rejected is the authority and inerrancy of scripture and it's say over my life and my view of others. But underneath that is something that we've talked about in the past, and that's um, a desire for justice, a desire for justice to be served in a loving way. Oftentimes the experiences that are cited are ones where justice was thwarted by the church injustice was done intentionally or a response from a church walking in the steps of Christ was done in a way that was lacking love significantly lacking love and because of those things I can't do anything but have compassion for people who are walking through this you know, what I see is someone who has experienced a wrong, has experienced the pain of that wrong, has been confused by it, is looking for an answer, and the answer that seems to fit best is, well, everything I must have believed is a lie. No.
2: That, that's, that's kind of where, that's my answer. It's a long answer. That's my answer. It's um,
1: I think the tough thing for many parents is when they have someone who's a young adult or youth who says they no longer believe and they're trying to um, still win them over. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though this person has been baptized, they've, you know, had a profession of faith, and now they're walking away. And right, often, at least in my world, parent views it as an error on their behalf. Um, I often encourage parents, you know, depending on the age of the young person, um, that they are an individual and if they've done their job well, as far as loving them and Encouraging them to Christ and that that was their job. It didn't mean that they were going to accept, even though it might seem like they accepted before it. The,
2: whether it's the pressure, whether it's the expectation, mm-hmm. whether it's the,
1: um, the community where all my friends are doing it. Mm-hmm. I would rather know what a person genuinely feels and believes now, where we have the opportunity to relate, than once you've left my house, or once you've made a decision and made choices off of it, that are harder to accept when the ramifications have borne out significant change. Mm -hmm. You know, he talked about leaving one faith and going to another or just leaving in general. That, um, very much like the prodigal son, doesn't mean we know the end of the story. Um, We don't know know, what God is doing, but we do know um, that this person especially when they're in positions of authority or positions where they're seen by others and now they're no longer stating that they're part of the same faith, Mm -hmm. Um, often causes great heartburn for those around them. Um, I don't know what God is doing, but I can say he is doing, he is working, he is moving. And often people have attached themselves and their identities to those I wish they love, whether it be leadership or whether it be little ones in the house, right. to such a degree that they put them in the spot where
2: God belongs. That's, that's hard, that's tough, um, but it's real. Um,
1: and often it occurs so smoothly that we miss it. We miss the moment where we stop taking time to to pray for this individual's heart Mm -hmm. because we assumed that everything was fine. It's, It's in relationship that we are able to engage with the heart. And both Proverbs and Psalms talk about the ability to do that. And so it is a... It's an amazing thing when someone is honest with you about where they are. It doesn't mean you should ignore them it doesn't mean you should try and convert them to your side (laughs) from the sake of i can give them more information and once i've done that i'm good right it's a relationship and often the person who is walking away from the faith didn't have a relationship with god again they taste it they knew the like the Pharisees, they knew the legal side. They knew the they knew the law, but they never experienced the genuine love of okay, God is working. I don't understand. I have to trust them. To the point where I don't have to fully understand things. And often in our culture that's where I see a break.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So for our our believing brethren, Mm -hmm. how – I'm going to pose a question and I'll answer it here, at least from my own perspective. But How how are we to – how ought we to interact with and walk with someone who comes to us and says, hey, I've started questioning um, what I believe. I – I don't think it's real. I don't think it's true. I'm no longer a Christian. How practically do we walk in truth and love?
1: Um, my first thought is you know, taking a moment unto <clears throat> self, not with the person, but just by yourself and praying for them and asking God to move in their heart, cause them to see you cause you to see if there's anything in your heart that's, um, you know, encouraging this or discouraging it. Um, but being real with God. I think the second thing for me would be to um, have a good conversation with the individual and hear their heart. Just hear what's going on. Mm-hmm. Often there's a lot of things that are going on under the surface that have been going on that no one knew about mm-hmm. or weren't shared, Um, and so that is important. You really should love the person by listening um, before responding. Um, You should get to know this person as a person, not simply as the position they were sitting in. Um, Engage with them in such a way that they feel the love, not feel shame or guilt or defensiveness because you're trying to win them back over but they should know you to the point where when you do share they want to care about they want to hear about what you've deemed worthy to share to them mm-hmm. um so for me the response is first to sacrificially love them in this moment um try and understand what built up the, you know again what caused this decision and then prayerfully um, talk to where there is deception, where there is um, denial or confusion. Right. Um, If the person doesn't want to have the conversation, um, then this is where my actions to love them continue. I have to love them well, just as I would love someone else. Again, with the knowledge that I don't know the end of the conversation. Between them and God? What would your response be?
0: Um, everything that you just said, honestly. I'd give a couple um, bullet points here. One, mm-hmm. oftentimes people who are, let me take a step back from that and say, I'm not going to talk about oftentimes what happens. I will talk about what I've observed from people who have confidence. Mm-hmm. oftentimes there will have been a very um, control-based or works-based context that the person will have been in that can look Mm -hmm. like um, very heavy-handed authoritarian uh, church leadership, parenting, discipline, it can also look like legalism, fundamentalist kind of views on, on media, dress, um, even foods, but also on social ideas.
2: Oftentimes, I will have also, also observed that um, an argument may be made.
0: But the person who is going through the process of deconverting is not looking for an argument to sway them, which I think you were touching on. They're mm-hmm. looking to, to see if it's safe to be vulnerable to say, yeah, I don't think that's the case. And I'm not looking for you to come and try to proof text me back into line. Because the problem here is that I never experienced here the graciousness of the Good Shepherd that you've always said you were representing from Psalm 23. All, all I see here is someone trying to either push me back into place using scripture as a, as a bludgeon or writing me off as a non-believer. I think loving through listening is tremendously important. I also think that putting down the proof texting when you do discuss is also really important because there will be very specific things that the person will point to and say, this is what I no longer believe. This is the problem. And at that point, that's between them and God. If, if the problem they have really is with scripture, what scripture says, not the way scripture was applied. That's between them and God, and the Holy Spirit has the room, the capacity, and the power to work on that himself. He doesn't need us to try to defend him. He hasn't Mm -hmm. called us to do that. We talked about this a couple weeks back. He's called us to give a hope for the reason that we believe. That hope is what we are pointing to, not a, a pattern of belief systems that I have accepted as true and you should accept them as true because ultimately that just evolves into an argument over authority. Either God exists and he said this or it didn't. Well, okay, that's pretty much where the argument is. But I'd also say this. I think there are two categories of people that may walk through deconversion. There may be more, but there's at least two and I'll deal with those two. One is the person who, like it says in the in the parable of the sower, um, the seeds went down quickly, spouted up quickly, but then were dried up by the cares of the world. This is a person who faith was not born in them. They had the look, they had the feel, they had the smell of Christianity. They believed that they had become a Christian. But what Jesus says is now that that seed never actually came to life. It was sort of a stillborn faith. There are other people who will have serious questions about God, who will have fully believed, fully been convinced and, and then say, no, I, I no longer think that this is right. In other words, there's, there's a person who was never among us and went out from us, as John says, and that's a person that still needs the gospel. And then there's a person who was among us and is now walking away because in their understanding, God is no longer good. And if God's good, I don't want to have anything to do with him is the mindset that they have. That person too still needs the gospel. But the way that we approach that, I think the Holy Spirit would lead us in different approaches based on whether the person's in one category or the other. And I think that's where it really does become necessary for us to be in prayer before and during our conversations with a person who's going through this. Because God's, God's not like a World War II pilot you know, slapping on the salvation sticker every time he shoots down a bad argument. That's God is a shepherd who's cultivating life. He is able to bind up the brokenhearted. He's able to bind up a bruised reed. He's able to cause a wick that is down to an ember to come back to life without snuffing it out. We oftentimes are too ham-fisted to do that. We mess it up because we try to get in there. And we think we know what we're doing and we end up breaking the reed or snuffing out the ember. But God has a much more delicate touch.
2: God almost never comes in and says, this is the law. Follow it or else. He did that one time I can think of. And then he followed it up by saying, no, yeah, you failed. So
0: I'm going to sacrifice my son to demonstrate to you, my love and to allow
2: you to ride his coattails in. The Hmm. drive, the
0: internal drive and desire for truth and justice and authentic love is so clearly evident in all of the, testimonies of
2: unconversion that I've heard, it echoes so clearly with a cry for God. And yet, oftentimes, the responses that
0: I've seen from within the Christian community towards someone who
2: has deconverted or is unconverting is doesn't strike me as
0: being a godly response. There, there, that's not to say all. I've seen plenty that are very godly responses, very genuinely Christ-like responses. There are many more that revert to the ham-fisted, control-oriented, works-based, methodology-driven responses that honestly do plague the church. And I think God in his graciousness is rooting out, but as long as we're involved
2: in it, it's going to be a real easy trap to fall into. I agree. I agree. Um, I
1: think we have work to do. To be Definitely honest. do. Um, when I say, it, you know, loving our neighbors truly um, so often we get in this space of judging because we know this person, or we've heard from this person, or this person was a leader before us. When um, there, we we need to
2: we need to love them, um, genuinely love them, um, genuinely, sacrificially,
1: fully, engaging in conversations and journeying with them, knowing that. It might take a couple of seasons, yeah. if not years, before we see what God is doing. And they might not ever return, as scripture teaches. And know that also it talks about how for those who can give a word to those who are lost and pull them back, uh, there's a double reward. That this is part of what uh-huh. we do. So we, we have to lean in to to loving those that state they no longer love God, um, no longer love the Lord Jesus in a way that is biblical.
0: I have a challenge for you and for myself and for our listeners. Um, My challenge is this. Go find someone in a podcast or a book who is walking through describing their deconversion story. And my challenge is to then follow their testimony prayerfully and ask God to show you where he would call you to grow in Christ likeness towards that person and their testimony. He's called us to be ambassadors and we can practice doing that. I would love to hear. your thoughts i would love to hear your responses especially if you take up this challenge so please feel free to reach us at anchoredanddevoted at gmail.com you can also reach our podcast through anchored.fm and search us up through anchored and devoted or hit our other podcast which is daily games we love you guys we're really grateful that you're here um i'm pastor Jair.
1: i'm pastor joseph we'll
0: see you soon you have a blessed one